0: Hello, I'm Chris Hudson and welcome to FIS's Freight and Commodity Podcast on Wednesday, the 25th of May. Let's first go to the news. Well, FIS had the pleasure to take the number one spot in SGX Commodity Awards as the top bulk commodities broker and number one overall in both iron ore and FFAs and second for coking Coal. Well done to all the desks there in maintaining an incredible position in those markets. Australia's election saw the Labour Party take the highest number of seats albeit with counting still going on and they remain short of an overall majority and may need to rely on support from the independents and Greens to get through legislation. The Greens have already come out to demand an end to coal and gas fields and there has been overtures from the new Labour PM-elect Anthony Albanese about the need for serious action on climate change. For those watching the carbon markets, this is going to potentially bring an interesting new dynamic as a country that has significant carbon emissions of its own, but also the prospect of becoming a significant environmental project creator due to its climate and vast areas of open land. UK Chancellor Rishi Sunak has ordered officials to draw up plans for possible windfall tax on more than £10 billion of excess profits by electricity generators. South Korea's shipyards are in a bit of trouble as they struggle to persuade customers who have already ordered vessels to pay more because of higher prices for steel, which accounts for about a fifth of shipbuilding costs. They had recently agreed to an 8% increase in steel plate prices, on top of the near doubling in the price over the past two years, uh, delaying their return to significant profitability what have we seen week on week in terms of the indexes? Well, across the board in the dry FFAs, we've seen a move up. This is Tuesday the 17th versus Tuesday the 24th. Uh, 32,754 was on the Cape Size 5 TC, now 35,564 yesterday. Panamax is 27,954, moved to 28,556. And the Supras, 32,194, slightly up to 31,111. On the 62% iron ore, has uh, hardly moved 13015 last week now 130 and a half. Uh, Brent crude slightly off there 11323 and no surprise that the sink 5% fuel oil has also slightly come off to 84635 Front month future on the FIS report. Uh, looking to tankers a uh, slight move up on the uh, the VLs the crude carriers uh, was 4066 and now 4170. On the product carriers uh, TC2 33722 has moved to 33333, And on the TC5, 30643 has moved down to 295 after significant moves up on both of those two TC2, TC5 over the last few weeks. On the Steels, $1,077 last week has come off slightly. Down to 1037 and a quarter. And I guess it's worth noting as well on the European Contract and CME, $62,462. 2 tonnes has traded on the contract so far. And this was compared to a record, previous record of 63,118. So if things continue trading on that well, we may have a new record on that contract. Great to see that building on a really exciting steel contract there. And finally on the indexes, on the uh, emissions, European Union compulsory emissions. Last week it was €91.72 and it has come off about $10. bucks, 81 euros 32 now closing yesterday. The drive freight indexes are up across the board this week, again being led by the big chips, with Cape Size chalking up a $2,800 move up. Kerry Deal, can this move continue? What are we seeing behind the scenes in the FFA market?
1: Well, the Cape Size market felt very, very strong towards the end of last week. And indeed, the 5TC average posted a new high of just over $38,000. That's a new high for 2022, I should say, on Monday. This was driven by busy markets in both iron ore and coal, with iron ore shipments rising 16.1% week-on-week to 31.4 million tons, combined with coal shipments that were up by 15.8% to 28.3 million tons week-on-week. That is according to data from S&P Global Market Intelligence Commodities at Sea Service. In the Atlantic, decent Brazil shipments were seen last week, with iron ore destined to China and other dry bulk to the Mediterranean. Apart from that... Improved activities out of South Africa further strengthened that rebound. C3 rates, that's the route from Tubara to Qingdao with iron ore, jumped from region $35 last Tuesday to nearly $38.50 on Monday before giving up a dollar yesterday. Very unusually, we also heard of a grain stem moving from Brazil to Egypt on a Cape. Another example of Capes picking up business that has traditionally been a Panamax trade. In the Pacific, the swing factor continues to be that additional coal demand into India and China, coming mainly out of Indonesia. And in both cases, this demand continues to increase towards record volumes for the year. The C5 iron ore route, West Aussie to China, was also busy, with rates edging up to a rumored $15.75 per ton. Uh, That was on Monday as well, before sliding back yesterday along with all other routes. The paper, meanwhile, having been pushed north for most of last week, saw a correction starting on Monday, this week, and continuing through Tuesday, quite a sharp correction that saw June Cape 5TC brought down from a high of nearly 42000 on Monday morning to 35750 seven fifty this morning on FIS Live. That is in line with the spot index, it's worth noting. So that, that premium, that uh, that contango of $7,000 uh, to the spot index, has been entirely disappeared. Meanwhile, the Q4 is trading 31500 this morning on FIS Live. The sudden correction on both the physical and the paper this week was triggered, in my opinion, by sentiment. Without a doubt, congestion has been easing in China, making more tonnage available in the Pacific. But really, the concerns center around ongoing fears of where the downstream Chinese steel demand is, and general economic conditions in both China and Europe, I think, worsening. It's notable that the COVID situation in Beijing seems to be worsening and that despite the PRC government unleashing vast stimulus measures, investors do remain spooked. Unusually, though, I will actually play the bull here this week, Chris. Uh, Given over half these cargoes out of Indonesia on coal continue to be carried by Cape, and we are even seeing the odd grain stem out of East Coast South America on Cape, I think there should, in theory, be a floor here in the short term. I do not think this should continue to absolutely dump, but let's see. The Panamax has held steady last week with the index pretty consistently hovering on either side of $30,000. Again, the Pacific was the main source of strength with uh, Indonesian coal maintaining record high levels and Australia ramping up coal and grain shipments before the financial new year there. No pack round trips with grains were fixed between 29,500 and 30,000, and trips via Indonesia, redelivery India, were paid at a high of 31,000 last week. On the other hand, sentiment in the Atlantic remained mixed with sluggish mineral demand for the transatlantic, but increasing grain business on the front haul. In terms of fixtures, we saw front haul trips with grains at the region, 41,000, and a transatlantic trips, redelivery Scott Gibraltar range at a similar rate at previous week. That is $30,000 going through most of last week. In the South P6 route, that is for delivery Singapore via East Coast South America, re-delivery Far East, uh, were pushed slightly lower at $29,500, fixing for early June loading dates. Overall, the Panamax paper has held steady Throughout last week, uh, before being pushed down this week, unsurprisingly on the back of that cape sentiment coming off sharply, the June four TC paper moving down from a high of twenty nine and a half thousand on Monday to twenty seven one two five value today on FIS live. That Q four trading at twenty four two fifty. And very briefly, to
0: just kind of point out that actually, if you look at the indexes and in write a report, and you look at what's happening in the futures and you write a report, you could get two very different reports about things <laughs> <laughs> indeed, which are happening at the moment.
1: Indeed. Indeed. And and look, if you look at the whole of last week writing a report, it was incredibly bullish. You know, it's really only yesterday that we started to see a sharp correction. Again, one I think is temporary, perhaps unusually for me. Um, and, uh, and so I'm going to call a floor coming up fairly soon here. Let's see what happens.
0: Sticking with the freight markets, I want to dive a little deeper into the numbers which are producing these price levels. I talked to our senior analyst and data guru, Emma Feng, on this. So, Emma, let's first take a look at uh, a bit on the volume data. What have we seen in the kind of drive from FFA market this week?
2: FFA resumes its busy activities with trading volume over 38,800 lots posted on exchanges and Cape being the main focus. Decent activity was also seen in Cape options with over 2,500 lots traded among the total on options of 4,890 lots. In the futures market, the new route P6 Singapore round voyage via Atlantic continued to see good interest with 180 days traded last week. Overall, Cape's and Panamax traded respectively around 4,000 lots. 2,300 lots per day last week, and Supermax followed right behind with 1,010 lots traded per day. Main actions focus on June Q3 22 and Cal 23 contracts. Open interest increased slightly among with rising prices on 23rd May. Cape 5 TC was 167,467, a week a week up 7,153, Panamax 4 TC, 208,820, up 3,169 week-a-week, and on Supermax 10 TC, 93,320, up 1,305 week-a-week.
0: And one of the big supporters on CAPES especially has been coal shipments, uh, which, as you noted in one of your reports, had hit the 50% mark. So what are the numbers behind this move specifically?
2: And although coal prices has come off its peak, one thing we cannot ignore is Australian cooking coal year-to-day price is still about four times higher than period last year. And last week, Asian cooking coal studied above $525 per ton after China released more measures to support the economy. With rainfall, of course, is Australia also lending some support. And meanwhile, Chinese thermal coal price continue to rise admit solely demand and tight sport supply. And when we're looking at supplies, um, supplies from elsewhere have surged though, with China importing 1.71 million metric tons of coking coal from Russia in April, uh, year-over-year up 22.2%, while imports from Mongolia also recovered to 1.3 million metric tons last month since border controls have eased. Coal demand from China and India rose last week, with heat waves in India boosting coal-fired power generation needs and bring the peak season of coal consumption earlier. According to IHS Market Commodity SC Sea Service, coal shipments to India remain at high level of 6.1 million metric tons. On the side of exporters, Australia pushed out higher coal exports last week to a total of 8.3 million tonnes, the highest weekly volume since May 2021. And Japan, as its biggest Australian coal buyer, imported around 3.7 million metric tonnes, a week away after 113%, followed by India imported 1.5 million metric tonnes last week.
0: Next this week, it's the carbon markets. Lots of things to talk about in this market, and we have already highlighted the Australian election at the beginning of this podcast. Julian Fan, you are our carbon emissions broker here. So what have we seen in the market this week?
3: Well, certainly for the past one week, there were a lot of fundamental changes for both compliance and voluntary market. Uh, Chris, just as you mentioned, the Australian carbon credit unit ACCU, spot prices jumped by around 20% on Monday trading, just following the Labour Party's victory at the federal election over the weekend. And uh, for the EU compliance market side, the EUA prices fell to the lowest point in around five weeks this Monday and were printing at €78.76 due to a weak auction, alongside market concern of the EU is considering to sell 25-250 million of UAs. However, DEC-22 UA prices now back to above €80 Euro level due to the news that the proposed sale of 250 million UAs from the MISR were to be spread over four years. As for voluntary market side, investment fund one Eck will launch the first ETF on the Australian Security Exchange that will check ICE Global Carbon Future Index, which is based on global carbon future prices like EUAs, UKAs and RGGI. The large Indonesian Rimba Raya Rate Project now expects to uh, completely halt its offset issuance for the scheme until the government has finalized its new carbon market policy. Vera immediately held the tokenization of retired offsets on the basis that the offset's retirement from tokenization is widely recognized as the consumption of credit's environmental benefits. EX will launch four contracts for voluntary carbon products on june seventeenth. The products will be listed first on the North America No-Dell Exchange and then by EEX in Europe later in 2022. Four products are Corsia, nature-based, carbon removal, and a product called global emission reduction, which is a basket of voluntary carbon credits. It's very exciting to see more exchanges to get more involved in the voluntary carbon market. So how this market will evolve is remain to be seen.
0: Finally this week, it's the ferrous markets, one that is so wedded to what is happening in China, as it is such a large consumer of ferrous raw material, as well as a producer and consumer of steel. I asked Halpei from our Shanghai office whether resumption of work in Shanghai in early June is the start of the return back to normal for China.
4: Yeah, I think uh, the resumption of work in Shanghai can be a very important symbol for the entire China uh, return back to normal including economies and manufacturings and industries. Uh, But I think the retail businesses and some of the service businesses could be later because uh, they will experience a period of time for people to getting out of the crowd, wearing masks and avoid um, going to many public places. But for the industries and manufacturers, which have already started in early May, uh, that including, uh, for example, the two biggest automakers in China, GAG and SAIC, they all claimed they don't change uh, annual production target given the sharp drop of production in April. And last week, Tesla announced that they will return to pre-pandemic level on the production as soon as possible.
0: And how should the ferrous market be concerned about thin steel producing margins? And could these go negative?
4: Um, As a leading indicator, virtual steel margin has dropped from 700 yuan per turn in early May to 270 yuan per turn just in early this week. We also saw a physical steel margin has painfully remained around zero area during almost the entire month. Theoretically, if the mills used up all the inventories on hand, they will uh, subject to a negative margin. But in that case, big mills normally start a maintenance. Um, The reason that we have yet seen any materialized loss claimed on big mills were because of the inventory levels were still very healthy. For mid- and small mills on the edge of break-even, we heard that they, at this point, would bear the loss because of the entire market believed uh, will return in June. Uh, in the entire infrastructures and construction market, which missed in April and May, they don't... So for them, for the mid- small uh, mills, they don't want to be squeezed out of the game before the best timing come.
0: With those margins in mind what is the thing that will change? Will it be steel production levels or raw material costs?
4: I think we were closely following the steel, uh, the, the steel production level. We saw the utilization rate and the operation rate of the blast furnace, which were both running at yearly high and seasonal high because of structurally, blast furnace has taken over many output originally from EAFs. Well, moreover... Hi, uh, tight steel margin was a general issue, I think, in all the biggest steel makers, including China, Japan, and India. It's more important for these countries to decrease uh, a comprehensive output unless they saw a foreseeable downturn in the industry, for example, automaking in Europe. However, infrastructure and uh, GDP growth is still a major target for China right now. So, uh, in order to keep that target, they don't—I don't, don't think—they will change the, uh, uh, the 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 manufacturing or the steel usage or steel output. They will trying to put some pressures on the raw materials, including iron ores and the coking coals or coals. Um, Similarly, we saw India's raising tariffs on steels and decreasing tariffs on coke, which is trying to shift the consumption market from overseas market to domestic market, but finally decrease the cost level on the steel making. I think they are similar.
0: That's it for this week. If you want to stay up to date with everything that is happening in the freight and commodity space, then sign up to our app, FIS Live, or follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn.